0: Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew, and welcome to The Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and His church than when you tuned in. Hi, my name is Shane. I'm excited for this conversation today. You ever heard the phrase, you only get one chance to make a first impression? But then maybe you've experienced that time where the first impression you had with someone uh, actually wasn't quite complete or wasn't fully accurate. and the Longer you were with them, your perception of who they were changed. I remember a friend of mine named Johnny years ago met him for the very first time. He had just gotten back from traveling in Europe by himself, several countries, kind of backpacking his way through Europe. And he got back, and my first time like interacting with him at all, he's telling a few of us this story how he's traveling on this train and by himself. There's a young lady in, in the train car with them, as well as a few other guys. And these other guys, there's three guys, I think, they started interacting with this young woman, clearly wanting to get to know her. And it's clear from her response as he's telling us this story that she's not interested, like not wanting to get to know them, not wanting to build a rapport, but they're just not getting the hint. And my friend, Johnny, he's just kind of always been a guy who wants to stand up uh, for the weak or defend those who need help. Uh, He was a police officer that gives you any indication of just kind of his heart and his calling. And he tries to help these guys like get the hint and hey, I, I think she's not interested. Like you guys need to kind of back off. Well, they're not getting the hint. They end up getting off at of the same stop that this woman gets off of. And he gets off as well, even though it's not his stop. And they just keep like following her, like, almost stalking, harassing her. And, and finally, he just ends this story by telling us, and I had to teach these guys a lesson. I'm like, what does that mean? Like you just went like Jason Bourne on three strangers in the middle of Europe. Like, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, who is this guy, Johnny? Like it's my first interaction with him. And I remember, man, Johnny was just known for asking the most awkward, intrusive questions, but he could somehow get away with it. I remember there was a time where several of us were in a car heading to an event together. And um, I'm sitting in the front seat, Johnny's driving and my now wife, which currently we were not married at that time. Uh, We weren't even dating, but I was starting to like have an interest. She's in the back with a couple other people. And Johnny asked her a question. He says, Hey Jess, what do you think it'd be like marrying someone who is in ministry? And Like everyone in the car knew the underlying question. Like I was going to Bible college, pursuing vocational ministry as God's call in my life. Nobody else like within our sphere of friends was on that track. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? Like I wanted to hit him. If he wasn't three times my size and a police officer and driving the car, I probably would have hit him in this moment. I'm like, what? You are... You got to be kidding me right now. Like, why would you ask such an awkward and intrusive question? But he somehow got away with it. I remember just like going like, man, who is this guy? Like, no, no one does that. No one asks these kind of questions. No one has these kind of experiences of taking down three guys in the middle of Europe when you're by yourself. But then there was this moment that I remember so pivotally. My younger sister, she was in high school at the time and she had her iPod stolen from her locker. I don't remember what an iPod is, but before we had fancy phones that could hold everything in the world, all the information at our fingertips, there were these separate devices that just held audio files, or if yours was fancy, maybe videos as well. And it was like a $300 iPod that she had stolen. She was devastated. She's in high school, doesn't have the money to go buy a new one. And my friend Johnny somehow hears about it, not from me directly, but from someone else. And he says, hey, I want to give your sister my iPod. I'm like, oh, do you have an extra one? He's like, No. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of like a big deal. Like maybe we can like give you some money for it, you know, buy it for half price or something. He's like, no, I want to give it to her. I'm like, you can't do that. He's like, no, you can't not let me do that because I want to do this. And if you don't allow me to, you're denying me this blessing of wanting to give this. And he'd never met my sister. He, He didn't know who she was. And I was blown away by this guy who I thought was really weird, really eccentric, really awkward, really intrusive, but his incredible generosity. I think my initial perception of him definitely changed as I was around him more. I think the same can be true of our perception of God. Maybe you've perceived God in, in one way in your life because somebody else has told you this is what God is like, or you've experienced someone in relationship who says that they represent God, follow God, love God, but then doesn't really seem to like line up with a God of love or you've maybe thought of God as being judgmental and and harsh and angry and distant and far off. And and we can have these misperceptions of God and why does it matter that we perceive God in the right way? When we think about just your life, your thinking, your emotions, what's happening in our world right now, so many people feeling anxious, feeling worried, uh, afraid, almost powerless. And even as you think about what's happening in our, in our nation right now, we have elections coming up. I've heard our nation is more divided now than it has been since the civil war. Like that's an amazing stat. Like whether it's accurate and fully true or not like that, that is incredible. Even that we're close to that spot over 150 years removed. Like since we've had this kind of division within our country, like it just leaves a lot of us feeling powerless, Like, what can I actually do? Can I actually influence change? Whether you find yourself in one camp or the other, or you're kind of in the exhausted middle going, man, when are things gonna kind of smooth over here? And, And God says that prayer is the answer to every single one of those emotions. Anxiety, fear, worry, apprehension, being powerless and not knowing what to do, kind of almost feeling paralyzed by the overwhelmness of life. And so having a right perception of God is going to lead us to pray. But if we don't have a perception of God that would make us want to talk with him, then we're not going to pray, which is the very thing that can help us in these times and these emotions. And I believe that every one of us can overcome the overwhelmed life by changing our perception of God having an accurate, right perception, perspective of who he is because your perception of God shapes your prayers, whether or not you pray, how you pray. And A.W. Tozer actually says that what your mind thinks about, what you go to, what you think about when you hear, when you think of God is the most important thing about you. Wow, that's a big statement. Like How you perceive God is the most important thing about you. We want to be people who are not led by anxiety, not overwhelmed, but feel like we have a sense of contentment, peace, assurance, and hope in our lives. Prayer is what leads us to become those kind of people. And the conversation we're looking at today, Jesus is teaching us how to pray and who we're praying to when we do pray. Luke chapter 11 is where we are. Get there in your Bible with me. Last week, if you missed it, Katie and Richie, man, led us through such an amazing conversation where Jesus is talking with these two sisters, Mary and, and Martha. And it's a very relational conversation, relational tone as he's inviting them to recognize how much he loves to spend time with us, how much his heart just loves to know us and to be with us and for us to be with him. And this relational tone continues in Luke chapter 11. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, "'Lord, teach us to pray,' just as John taught his disciples." Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. You hear Jesus recognizing that and God in heaven, our father in heaven, his position that he is holy, he is mighty, he is set apart, recognizing the one we're praying to and just the power, the authority that he has, but he wants to meet our needs. We, we ask for provision in our lives, but primarily those, those needs that we ask for are ones to accomplish God's will in our lives. And then he goes on, With a story. Jesus often told stories. Then, teaching them more about prayer, verse 5, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Like they were like all in bed together. This is not a multi-bedroom house like some of us have. Like they're all squishing together, maybe a couple toddlers in there. Like you do not want to wake the kids in this moment. Like everyone's finally asleep. It's quiet. He says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough. He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Man, this picture that Jesus paints here is like, laughable in this culture because this culture in this day and age was so built on hospitality on community like you have to have something to set before a visitor who comes into your home like you have to have bread and and if somebody potentially is going to face the embarrassment of not having food to, to set before someone who's visiting the man everyone in the neighborhood is going to rally around no matter what it takes no matter what time of the night to come and help so people listening to this story as Jesus is talking his disciples are going, well, well, yeah, of course this guy would help. Of course this guy would be inconvenienced, get out of bed. Of course he would do this. And Jesus is saying, yeah, exactly. How much more does God want to meet your needs? So keep asking. That's what he goes to next. I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, Finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he says this, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not, Jesus says. So if you sinful people thanks Jesus, (laughs) know how to give good gifts to your children. Like you guys do pretty good in giving good gifts. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy spirit to those who ask him? He's saying God wants to give you the gift of a spirit. Like God wants to give you himself. The best gift God can give you is himself and he's saying, keep on asking. Not because you need to convince God or, or try to s- help him see things from your perspective because God already knows what you need even before you ask him. No, he says this persistence of keeping on, keep on asking, keep on, keep on, keep on. The persistence is more about us changing and growing, developing perseverance and endurance in our hearts to keep seeking God for the things that we need than it is about trying to convince God because God already loves you. God, God wants to meet your needs. God wants to provide for you. He wants to give you himself. He wants to give good gifts to his kids. This is the one Jesus reminds us we're praying for. So he's not so much teaching us the technicalities of here's exactly how you pray, the right words, the right phrases, the right order, though there is some that he outlines. And when you say, Father, may your kingdom come, your will be done, but he's more helping us to see the one we are praying to. Because when you have an accurate perception of who God is and you approach him based on his goodness, his power, his love for you, that's going to shape your prayers. And so Jesus is helping us to see how we accurately perceive our father in heaven. First of all, we perceive his position. He is holy. God is in heaven. He is mighty. He has authority. He has power. He's not sitting there like hoping things work out. He is in control. And so this is how you and I might shape our prayers through remembering God's position, his authority in our lives. Something that God's been walking me through in this season personally, just declaring who he is and the impact of his character in my life. To remember and pray, my God is in control. Because of his position, he is in control of all things. So I will be still and know that he is God and trust that he is in charge with all authority, even when life seems out of control. His position, he's the God of the universe, the creator of everything. That's the one you're praying to. And then he says, now you have to also perceive his provision." He wants to meet your needs. He's not inconvenienced. He's not bothered by your requests. He is blessed by your requests. The same way that you're not bothered when your kids want to talk with you. God is not bothered when you come and talk with him. He wants to provide and he knows what you need. He may not give you all your wants, Because a want and a need are different. And he knows that some of those wants actually won't be best for you in the same way that we know that it's not best for our kids to eat sugar all day long. It's not going to go well for them. It's not going to go well for us. God knows what you need. And he wants to give you good gifts. And sometimes there's this tension. Like, okay, is it about God's position, his holiness, his, his strength, his authority, or is it about his provision that he wants to take care of me and meet my needs in Jesus? And you, you can't just lean one way or the other. Both are true. God is holy and he loves you. God is, is mighty, he is able, and he is good and he cares about you. Both are true at the exact same time. So we approach him in this way. We say, my God is provider. So I will look to him and trust him for all that I need. He will take care of me. My, my provision is not found in, in the economy. My provision is, is not found in a certain leader of government. My provision is not, is not even found in my job. My provision comes from God who knows what I need. And then lastly, Jesus helps us to perceive his presence. How close God is to you. He loves you. When, when he says that how much more that your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those Who ask him? It's the gift of his presence with you. This is why Jesus says to his disciples in a different conversation that it's actually better for you. He tells them that I go because if I go, then I can send the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Helper, the one who's going to lead you into all truth. That relationship with the Spirit of God within you is actually closer than the relationship that we have right now where I'm walking with you in the flesh. God wants to give you himself. It's the best gift that he can give. I can remember a moment of loss and pain in my life where I was crying out to God for answers. God, why did this happen? And God, in such a loving, compassionate way, gave me something better than those answers. He gave me the gift of his presence. He helped me to see that he is with me, that he is for me, that he loves me and that his heart breaks with my heart in the midst of loss and grief. God wants to give you his presence. And so we remember that those of us who have said yes to Jesus, you have the spirit of God within you. That God is always, you don't have to go somewhere special. You don't have to do something, some kind of you know, ritual to, to enter into God's presence. Jesus has always made that possible through his death on the cross. The spirit of God is inside of you if you have surrendered to his leadership in your life. So you can remember and declare that my God is near. So I will live each moment aware of his holy presence and the comforting peace that he wants to bring no matter what circumstances are happening around me. You hear the language that Jesus walks through in this passage as he's talking about this neighbor, friendship, community, hospitality, inviting someone into your home. He talks about father and, and children. Like it's such a relational tone of warmth and love that he's using these pictures to describe our father in heaven. He wants us to recognize that God loves us that he is with us, that, that he knows what's happening in our lives. He knows what's best for us. He wants to take care of you and provide for you. He wants to meet you in the overwhelmed spot that you find yourself in. He wants to meet you in this spot of fear, of anxiety, of uncertainty. He wants to meet you in this place and he wants to give you himself. He wants to overwhelm you with his love, with his goodness. We've experienced these extremes in our lives, maybe from earthly fathers or authority figures. Either maybe they were too absent, like we never knew them, they were distant, or maybe they were present, but they weren't actually engaged relationally. Or maybe they were there, but they were too strong. They they kind of led with an iron fist and, and with authority and with dominance. They demanded obedience, they demanded respect. And so we, we've we placed these broken filters on sometimes our perception of who God is. Well, either God's really, really strong, but he's not good. He doesn't love me. Or maybe, yeah, he, he is good, but he's so far away, he couldn't possibly care about the details of, of my life. He's the creator of the universe. Like, why would he care about what's happening in my heart today and what I'm wrestling with? And Jesus is helping us to see, no, he's helping to reset our picture here of God in heaven as mighty, in control, loves you, wants to take care of you and closer than any other relationship you could ever have or experience, the spirit of God inside you. So we can declare in confidence in our hearts that my God is love. So I will anchor my heart in the truth that I don't need to work for his approval or or fear that failure will make him love me any less. This is the gospel. This is God's love for you. This is the love of Jesus who has his life laid down for you, that he came, laid down his life, paid the price that our sins, our mistakes, our rebellion deserves, that we can have this relationship with our loving father in heaven, be made right with him, experience his presence in our lives, experience the power of him working in our lives, experience his love flowing in us and through us to a lost and hurting and dying world that so desperately needs to know the love of God for them. This is the one we are praying for. And Jesus is helping to set accurately our perception of who God in heaven truly is. He's the perfect father. He's loving. He's generous. He's gracious. He's also in control. He's worthy of our worship He knows the best life possible for you and he wants to lead you there, but you have to invite and allow him to lead you there. He's not gonna force his way into your life. And so that's the invitation. If you've never said yes to Jesus to say, God, I am asking that you would lead my life. Like I can't lead myself to this spot that I wanna be at. I can't lead myself out of this area of of overwhelmness and uncertainty and anxiety that's ruling my heart. God, I need you to lead me there. I surrender to your love, to your leadership. God, I, I surrender to your work in my life. And if you've never made this decision to say yes to Jesus in this way, that's the invitation from God to you today. Because again, where we started of this statement that every single one of us can overcome the overwhelmed life by changing our perceptions of God, by seeing him accurately, appropriately for who he is. I think about as we come into this election week and the uncertainty of our lives personally, the uncertainty of our our country, I think a, a very real and tangible way that we're processing this together in and very personally in this time is to approach God in light of who Jesus just helps us to see God as in this in this passage. I just want to approach him together in prayer so I want to pray together just remembering and focusing our hearts on who God is as we walk into an uncertain time. Would you pray with me? Father we, love you. God, we we see and we remember and we declare that you are in control. God, that you have all authority. God, that your kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. God, that your kingdom lasts forever. And God, we trust God, that you can move the hearts of kings God, that you're working in ways that we don't fully comprehend or understand, but we trust that you know best. God, we, we, we believe that you are going to take care of us, that our provision doesn't come from the right person in office or the right policy getting, getting advanced or declined. God, our provision comes from you. God, you know what we need even before we ask. God, and you are with us. God, you didn't just create this world and then step back and kind of watch it all unfold. God, you chose to enter your creation, Jesus. You put on flesh, fully God, fully man, so that we could have this close, intimate, connected relationship to you. And so we trust you. God, we're not alone. God, you are with us. I pray that you would just center our hearts on your presence, God, because your presence brings peace, joy, comfort. God, not depend on any outward circumstances, but dependent on your constant presence, your constant goodness, and your constant control and authority in our lives and over all of creation. Fix our eyes and our hearts on you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to just invite us to continue to come to God with this perception recognizing the position, the provision, and the presence of God in your life, his love for you. Let's continue to grow as people of prayer, people who when we are uncertain, overwhelmed, don't know where to go. We don't look inward. We don't look to the world Francis. God. We look to God to guide us, to ground us, to lead us into all truth and to have his kingdom be more and more established in our hearts and established through us to those that God's placed around us in our lives. There's so much that God wants to do in your life and through your life and it starts With this perception of who he is. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.